on this all-star edition of Ice Analytics. Going to be talking about which players got snubbed and using data to back that up. I'm also going to be joined by Tom Franklin from KMOX Radio in St. Louis and the Blue Notes podcast, getting his thoughts on the festivities in his backyard. This is Ice Analytics, probably part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to episode five of Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. This episode is going to be a little different from our past few because this is going to be a special topics podcast. We're centering this on the All-Star Game, which is held this weekend in St. Louis. Tonight at 7 p.m., the All-Star Skills Competition is going to kick things off. The game itself or the games themselves are going to be played tomorrow at 7 p.m. I believe those are both going to be on NBC. The two things we're going to cover on Number Crunch this week are going to be the All-Star snubs, guys that should have made it, guys that were omitted from the roster, and a case could be made why they were left out. The second topic is going to be guys that were selected to play and opted not to. The the individuals who are going to skip this weekend and those that have skipped in past years. Then I'm going to be talking to a friend of the show, Tom Franklin from the Blue Notes podcast, who is going to be coming back for the second time to discuss All-Star Weekend since it's going to be in his backyard in St. Louis. Y'all ready for this? First topic this week on Number Crunch is going to be about the players who were omitted from this year's All-Star Game, the All-Snub Team. And before we get into that specifically, I do want to mention the rules in which these things are governed, because I think it's really important to put this into context. The league requires at least one player from each one of the 31 clubs be represented in the All-Star Game. And it tries to take the top 10 to 15 leading scores. But in a case like this, it's not always doable. I mean, you're not always going to be able to get, if you have 15 scores all from the same division, for instance, or you have multiple scores from the same team that are in the top 15, it's not always possible. In this year, Brad Marchand is a perfect example of someone who was left off. Since the league has introduced this new format, when they moved past the the draft phase that they went through, they've gone to this divisional representation with the teams playing one another in like a knockout little tournament and the three-on-three format. There's a grand total of 44 All-Stars that are going to represent it this weekend. 10 per division plus one that's going to be fan voted in, last man in. So if you do the math, you're going to have seven spots in the central and eight spots in the other three divisions that are going to be represented for each team. So that doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room to represent multiple players from the same team. The divisional captains are voted on by fans and the last men in are voted on by the fans. But the rest of the roster is up to the NHL operations department. And so it's not like the Pro Bowl, or it's not like some of the other all-star games for other sports. The NHL operations department is primarily responsible for selecting the all-star teams. In the Atlantic division, you've got each team with a single skater representing them. So eight plus your two goaltenders in Anderson and Rask. In the Metropolitan Division, you have, again, each team is represented by a single skater, eight, Holpe, and Corpusello. In the Central Division, with only seven teams, this is good news for St. Louis because they get both O'Reilly 
and Petrangelo bringing the grand total to eight skaters, plus Bennington and Hellebuck as the goaltenders. The Pacific gets really interesting, though, because in the Pacific, you have Calgary and Edmonton getting two skaters apiece with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Kachuk Giordano. Arizona and Vegas gets left out of any skater representation, but do get Darcy Kemper and Marc-Andre Fleury, who was subsequently replaced by Markstrom, as the goaltender. This is where you can make a compelling philosophical argument about eliminating the mandatory representation of each team in favor of a pure merit system. Alternatively, they could also increase the number of all-star spots to give additional opportunities to players that are on the same team and competing for one spot. But for now, and this may be something that comes up in the next CBA, these are the rules. And this segment is not here to debate the merits of which rules would work better or ways that this could be done better. Essentially, I'm just operating within the confines of the current rules. And if they change in the future, then, you know, that, that, that'll be good. What I want to do first is work through the four divisions and look at some of the players that are more questionable in terms of their resumes, maybe present some alternatives that operate within this structure of one per team. Now, it should be noted before I jump into this, I'm not going to go through every team, every player. I just want to point out the, the players that may have question marks. There may have been an alternative option. Uh, you can find more detailed information on these players on the show notes available at statsenforcer.com. Let's start with Tyler Bertuzzi representing Detroit, who's making his first all-star appearance. You know, I think this is a pretty, pretty fair selection, although maybe an argument could have been made for, for Dylan Larkin. Honestly, their numbers are pretty similar. You can flip a coin and land it on Bertuzzi. My first beef really starts with Anthony Duclair. I love Duclair. This guy's been kicked around more than anybody in the league. Definitely didn't get a fair shake in, in the past. I would want him on my team. If I had a hockey franchise, I would want this guy. He's extremely talented. I can't say enough good things about him. But Pajot has probably been a better player on the Senators, or at least a more complete player on the Senators. Now, I know this is the all-star game and they don't really care about defense, but their offensive stats are very similar. You know, look at any 5v5 or even strength statistics and their offensive numbers, whether it be goals for, Corsi, Fenwick, any of the possession statistics, they're extremely similar. What separates Pajot from Duclair is his defensive ability. While their on-ice rates of scoring are both about three goals per 60 minutes of play, Duclair's on-ice goals against is nearly double 2.85 goals against per 60 minutes compared to Pajot, who 1.79 goals against per 60. Also, the goaltender's save percentage is about 2% higher with Pajot on the ice compared to Duclair. These are both offensively gifted players, but if you're asking me who deserves the all-star nod, I'm giving it to Pajot because he gives you a slight edge at 5v5 and a big edge on defense. I'm not even going to talk about Chabot because he probably should have made the all-star game in his own right. I don't have a lot of other complaints from the Atlantic division. Honestly, I mean, the only other thing you could possibly say is maybe Hedman should have been left out and replaced by Kucherov. Eh, maybe. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. 
What I do have a good answer for is the Metropolitan Division because I got some beef here. First of all, Jake Gunsel making his first All-Star appearance. Congratulations. I think you're having a great year with everybody on your team. Just beat the hell up. This guy goes out, produces every night. It's been very impressive. Although Malkin has had a better year when he has been around. And I think if Malkin had not played 13 less games than Gunsel, I think it probably should have been Malkin. I think it still should probably be Malkin, to be honest. I don't think it should necessarily be held against him, but I understand why they picked Gunsel over him. It would have been great if both of them could have made it. Another questionable decision, I think, is Travis Konechny from the Philadelphia Flyers. Another first-time selection. This is a trend. This is a trend from what I mentioned previously with Duclair. Sean Couturier may have had four less goals than Konechny at the time that these decisions were made, but their offensive rates at 5v5 are eerily similar. I think, though, it is truly the defense of Couturier that is a difference maker. While their expected goals for and goals for per 60 rates are almost mere images of one another, Couturier's goals against per 60 rates, 1.84 goals against per 60 when he's on the ice. His goaltender saves about 2% more goals compared to Konechny. I I think that's the difference maker. And I think that uh, Couturier is just super undervalued every year. But I honestly, I think my biggest beef, and I love the guy, it's one of the few jerseys I have, Team Canada, Brayden Holpe jersey. Love this guy. One of my favorite players, one of my favorite goaltenders in the league. You want to talk about having a down year? This guy is having a very bad season. At the time that this selection happened, there was 28 games played. He had a .904 save percentage and 2.95 goals against a negative 3.67 goals saved above average. Come on. Come on. I mean, I, I can't even justify this. You know, if Braden Holtby played in any other division, he would not have made the All-Star game. It's just the goaltending in the Metropolitan Division is not great this year, to put it mildly. And someone like Braden Holtby gets in. The one person who has been great and was, a, I think you could argue, was a little bit snubbed here, Tristan Jerry. You have to put him in the conversation. He's not only leading the league in goals saved above average with almost 15, 15 goals saved above average. That's almost one a game. The guy's played 18 games. He's got almost a 94% save percentage and a 1.8 goals against. Oh my God. I don't know how you leave him off the all-star team. I know he's only played 18 games. I know he's not technically the starter, or at least going into the season, he wasn't the starter, but he deserves some some love. And uh, I, I love you, Hopi, but you're not having a good year. This isn't a career all-star game. It's an all-star game for the 2019-2020 season, and you probably don't deserve to be there right now. The Central Division is really interesting because... Every other division seems to be represented by all these first-time All-Stars, but the Central Division feels like it's just all the mainstays, right? It's all the household names. And starting with Patrick Kane, you know, I'm not going to get into this one too much, but I really would have liked to have seen Eric Gustafson. That guy has been working his tail off this year. Huge fan of his, and it would have been cool to see him make it. What I will say, though, Tyler Sagan from, from the Dallas Stars, why not rattle off? You know, unlike Duclair and Konechny, Radulov isn't just better than Sagan defensively, but he's actually better than Sagan offensively. He generates more 
offense. He is on the ice. If you look at any of the possession metrics, more goals for and over a half less goal against per 60 minutes, the goaltender is nearly 2% better in save percentage when Radulov is on the ice compared to Sagan at even strength. I, I don't think this is a question. I think that Radulov was completely deserving of this honor. And, in, and if you're going to have one member of the Dallas Stars represent them, I know Sagan does a lot more than just even strength offense and defense, but Radulov is just playing better than him. So I, I'm a little disappointed by that selection. The last thing I got is, I know this is something that's not a solvable problem in our current model, but Ben Bishop misses the all-star game because he is in the strongest division for goaltender. You know, he was seventh in the league in save percentage, 92.5%. He's eighth in goals against average, 2.34 game, and fourth in goal saved above average with over 13 goals saved above the average goaltender, only because Bennington and Hellebuck have been playing better than him. So he misses the all-star game. I think that kind of sucks for for Ben Bishop, and I think that that is one of the arguments against the way that they currently do the selection. Lastly, the Pacific Division. I got a couple gripes here. Pedersen is the man. I'm not even going to bash this one. This is his second all-star appearance. He's an absolute stud in Vancouver, but can we get JT Miller some love? This guy is amazing, Uh, especially defensively. JT Miller is the man, and Pedersen's been slightly better than him, but I think you you have to at least pause and consider the possibility. We got to get JT Miller in the all-star game. I understand why Pedersen made it. He was 14th in the league in scoring. And that's one of the criteria that they use to decide who makes the, the all-star game. But JT Miller, man, give give our boy some love. My biggest complaint with the Pacific Division is Jakob Silverberg from Anaheim Ducks, his first all-star game. And it should not have been his first all-star game. I'm sorry. This one is really frustrating. I honestly don't know who got paid off to get him in the All-Star game. But I know that Anaheim did not have a lot of great choices, but I got a great choice for you. I'll get to that in a second. Silverberg was 103rd in the league in scoring with 26 points. That's that's the resume, right? That's the as good as I can do to defend Silverberg. Let me throw another name out to you. Cam Fowler. He was demonstrably better In every single category, there is no comparison defensively. With Fowler on the ice, goals against per 60 minutes drop a goal and a half. The goaltender's save percentage increases 5.3%. Yeah, I did the math. When Jakob Silverberg's on the ice, his goaltender's saving at a rate of 87.9%. Compared to when Cam Fowler's on the ice, goaltender's saving 93.2%. Yeah, I think the NHL totally goofed this one up. This is indefensible. And that that pretty much sums it up. Last thing I'm going to say real quick about the All-Star game is, again, this year we had a couple players who voluntarily decided to not attend because of rest reasons. Uh, This year, Ovechkin, Marc-Andre Fleury, both voluntarily opted out of the festivities. And there was a rule change made back in 2009 that players who skipped the All-Star game, whether for injury reasons or for personal reasons, are forced to sit out a game before or after the All-Star break as punishment. And since 2009, there's a lot of big names. Lindstrom, Datsuk, Crosby, Aginla, Taves, Rene, Bobrovsky, Malkin, Hedman, Hall, Quick, and Ovechkin several times have missed the All-Star weekend. Of all those players, only one won the Stanley Cup. That was in 2017. 
when Evgeny Malkin won the Stanley Cup, he was the first and only person who missed All-Star Weekend for rest purposes that actually cashed in on that and won the Stanley Cup that year. So you know what? He overcame the curse of the All-Star Weekend. Good for him. But in all seriousness, I can't blame any player for wanting the additional rest and serving a one-game suspension is a pretty silly way to try to enforce the attendance policy at the All-Star game. Now, I totally understand the other perspective, which is who wants to go see an All-Star game with a bunch of B-list NHL players. This is a debate for another day. The other thing I want to throw out there is that there are a few people who have gotten hurt during the All-Star weekend. Jonas Hiller and Rick DiPietro both got hurt during the All-Star competition, skills competition, actually. So injuries are possible. You need the extra rest. I applaud these guys for eating the one-game suspension and taking care of themselves. On that note, we're going to liven this joint up a little bit. Today on Stat Chat, I'm joined by Tom Franklin, the host of the Blue Notes podcast representing the St. Louis Blues on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can find Tom on Twitter at Blue Notes Pod and at Tom Franklin, K-M-O-X. Welcome to this all-star edition of Stat Chat. Thank you very much, and I am glad to be your first, second-time guest on Ice Analytics. Well, it's great to have you, and I know it's great to have the All-Star Game this year in your backyard. I know I was fortunate to be able to attend the festivities back in 2015 when it was in Columbus, and it was pretty cool. I couldn't believe like what was going on. They had outdoor rinks set up and a convention center with all these activities and autograph signings and stuff. How has the city of St. Louis reacted to being this year's host city, and are you going to be attending any of these events? I, first of all, I think there is a lot of excitement around St. Louis uh, for the All-Star Game. Uh, as you probably know already, St. Louis has hosted the All-Star Game twice, uh, the first one in 1970 and the second one in 1988. And both of those games were in you know, what we call the old barn, uh, which was uh, the St. Louis Arena here, uh, uh, just down the street from where I live, as a matter of fact. And 1988, I was three years old. So I, in fact, I wasn't even living in St. Louis at the time yet. So I, this will be my first all-star game that I get a chance to experience. And I think for a lot of fans here as well, you know, especially a lot of the younger fans that have come along over the years and then, you know, really kind of hopped aboard during the Stanley Cup run. So while the, you know, the rest of the league and, you know, some of the more hardcore NHL fans might yawn at the all-star game uh locally here in st louis we consider it kind of an honor that the nhl did pick enterprise center to host the all-star game now as far as whether i'll be going or not not confirmed at this point Uh, i'm trying to get media credentials uh for the all-star game of course i work for kmox radio in st louis and my sports director uh, has put me uh, has submitted my name for credentials. I just at the time we're recording this, I have not heard yet if I'm getting those credentials or not. He's pretty confident I will. So uh, if I do, uh, you'll hear some All Star Game content here on the uh, Hockey Podcast Network for sure. Very awesome, uh, very awesome. Even if you don't uh, get the get the credentials, is it something you're going to go and just check out what's going oh, on yeah. in the area? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll hang out definitely for sure. I mean, they have a, a big ice rink in Keener Plaza, uh, you know, the, the, where they're uh, set, uh, centering a lot of the festivities. Of course, there'll be stuff going on by Enterprise Center itself. I mean, this is not just, you know, of course, as you know, a one night thing. This is going to be like a whole 
weekend kind of a thing. So I'm sure there's going to be people in town taking part. I'm sure there's going to be people in town trying to hunt down where all the stars are hanging out, you know, of, of the NHL. And it's, it, it's going to be a good time. It is going to be a good time. I think St. Louisans will enjoy it a lot. And, um, and I, I know St. Louisans are going to be happy with the fact that they're going to have a total of five representatives in the game uh, with uh, Coach Berube, the goaltender Jordan Bennington, and then Alex Petrangelo, uh, Ryan, O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly, and um, David Perron. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad that you, you brought that up. That's a perfect segue because yeah. the all-star format changed in 2016 to the current 3v3 tournament style as opposed to the draft style they had or you know some of the previous iterations. The selection process also changed from fan voting to the fans voting for the captain and the last men in. Uh, you know, as a fan of a team that's hosting it this year, would you rather see the selections entirely based on a popular vote like they used to do? Or do you like the NHL ops department selecting one player from every team so that everyone's equally uh, represented? I know it's a loaded question, so uh, feel free to, to answer as much as you want. You know, I think this is one of those questions that I don't think has a perfect answer to. It's something I'm kind of torn on. Because on one hand, I like, you know, having the fans involved in this process and having them choose who gets to play in the game. I mean, I feel that, you know, this all-star game is a game that is for the fans. You know, it is a spectacle, an exhibition for the fans' enjoyment. So they should have a say in who gets to play in the game, in my opinion. But on the flip side of that, it's kind of like the old electoral college question here in the United States where, at, you know, where if you didn't have an electoral college, uh, you would pretty much have like the five or six big cities choosing every president, you know, from here on out. And, you know, in, in, in this case, in the NHL, you would probably have, you know, at least five or six Toronto Maple Leafs every year. You would probably have a few Canadians on the roster. Uh, you would have a lot of Blackhawks on the roster, things like that. And that's I don't think that's fair either. Um, and in fact, a good example of that, I mean, we kind of saw how fan voting, I think, kind of came back to bite someone this year in one of the players that I feel was snubbed. And we can talk about that a little later. I thought Alexander Barkov deserved to be in the all-star game. He is probably the best player no one knows about because uh, he plays in Florida, but he plays a really good two-way game. He's kind of like another Ryan O'Reilly down there, but yet he gets beat out by Mitch Marner, you know, of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'm sure... Maple Leafs fans probably just flooded the inbox for the last men in. And, you know, Marner deserves – I mean, I, I don't think Marner is undeserving so much. I just thought Barkov had better credentials. So, you know, it's kind it's, it's of give you an uh, answer to your question. It's – I don't know if there's ever going to be a perfect system, but I am definitely one that is more pro let the fans have input than – having uh, the NHL decide who gets in for sure. The, the way that the rules are set up with how one, one player per team is being represented, some divisions uh, you know, are a little bit more competitive than other divisions, especially for those two goaltender spots. Yeah. And it's tough because you, know, you, you, you want it to be a fan event. It is a fan event. There's no real repercussions as far as the standings or playoffs or anything like that go. So it should be a fan event, but like you said, if you just leave it 100% up to the fans, you could see some media markets overrepresented and other ones underrepresented. 
Right, and that's kind of an issue that St. Louis fans have in general because we kind of feel here in St. Louis that the NHL kind of, you know, treats us like any other flyover country city that's not Chicago. I mean, Blues fans often, you know, can look forward to seeing the NBC uh, sports schedule for the upcoming season, for instance, and they'll see like 18 Blackhawks games on the schedule, and then the Blues get two. You know, we, you know, we know the NHL plays favorites with certain markets just because – they're the bigger markets. They have the bigger ratings. And I get it. You got to make money in the NHL. That's fine. I get it. Um, and it's something that I feel that, you know, that's kind of changed a little bit over the years. Just like I felt like in the 90s, I felt the NHL as a product was marketed better as a whole. And you can have smaller market teams like a St. Louis. Well, I'm not saying St. Louis is a small market, but a medium market team right. get represented better. You know, whereas nowadays it seems like the NHL likes to go in on just a handful of markets because they're the ones that bring in the money and the rest of the league. Oh, well, you know, they're they're there, too, I guess. You know, it's 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 um yeah. that But to, it kind of goes back to the original question you had. How does St. Louis feel about the All-Star game coming here? It feels great just because it feels like the NHL's taken notice of, of the Blues. And remember, this decision for the All-Star game came down before the big Stanley Cup, you know, run happened. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of coincidental that you have all this good news in St. Louis, a Stanley Cup in June and now an All-Star game in January. Um, but, yeah, St. Louisans do, you know, we do tend to feel appreciated when we're noticed. Absolutely. To go back to something you mentioned earlier about some of the players that might have been snubbed. And if we assume for a second that we have to work with the current rules that there's one player per team and that you can only have two goalies on the on the roster. Do you think I know you mentioned Barkoff, but do you, do you think the NHL ops department biffed it with any of the selections? Well, I can take a look at each division and, and, and kind of tell you where they biffed it. I mean, as I mentioned, Barkov, I thought, was an obvious snub. I mean, the guy has 4.4 uh, uh, point shares this year. Uh, we can talk about that stat as well. Uh, but he has 13 goals, 33 assists for 46 points. He's a plus five, and he plays a really – his metrics just appear to be really jump out of me as a really good player. And he didn't get in probably because he plays for Florida. Um, in, uh, the other division, the, uh, Eastern conference, I could have gone with either Mika Zibanejad or Tabo Teravainen here. I actually am going to go with Teravainen here just because, you know, Teravainen's almost a point per game guy. He's a plus 15 on a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. And he has a 4.3 point share, which is uh, pretty good. Um, in the Western conference, you know, I'm happy David Perron got in. I thought he deserved to get in and he was obviously my, you know, I'll admit a little bit of a homer pick, you know, for, for uh, Perron to get in. And he did. Uh, Kale McCarr had a really good argument. Uh, McCarr, and, and I think he's suffered just because people, I don't think know who he is yet because he is, he's a rookie still, which by the way, if he doesn't win the Calder, it's going to be an absolute crime. No um, doubt. Yeah. But he's got nine goals, 24 assists, 33 points, a 4.6 point share. And he's, uh, you know, quarterbacking a, good defense on a very good team in Colorado. So he had an argument and, you know, really I felt the only division I felt they got right was the Pacific, which as you know, has been kind of topsy turvy this year. And there's definitely, you know, you have your three halves and your five have nots generally. Um, although I think the two Alberta teams are trying to change that a little bit, but you know, you had, you know, when the last men list came out for me, it was a tough pick between Max Pacioretty and Quinn Hughes. 
Uh, Patrick Reddy, I felt, definitely deserved to be in. I mean, he's having a heck of a season. 5.7 point share, 20 goals, 25 assists, uh, 45 points in 48 games. And he's playing alongside Mark Stone, and I think he's benefiting from that. Uh, but he would have been like the most obvious snub out of them all. But he did go in as an injury replacement. And so in the final vote, it ended up being Quinn Hughes going in, which I thought was also deserved. Another really good young defenseman. The kid just turned 20, for God's sakes. Uh, 44 games played, four goals, 27 assists for 31 points. He has a 3.8 point share. Now, there's one thing in common with all of these players that I just mentioned, and that is that they have a point share of at least four or above. Now, as someone, uh, Dr. Arp, that is still learning about analytics, is point shares a good indicator of how good a player is playing? I'm actually I'm curious about that myself because I typically uh, I, I've rarely heard point shares be used um, in, in yeah. this kind of a context. So I, I might need you to educate me a little bit on, on what this is. So when you go to hockey reference and you look up any player, because, you know, I mean, for me, hockey reference is my Bible. Um, it, it, it'll always display at the top page a summary and it'll show games played, goals, assists, points, your usual typical stats. But like the one like analytics stat that is show next to it is point shares. And, it, and they defined it literally as an estimate of the number of points contributed by a player. So I, it is, I think it is something that is very similar um, in, 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 in the veins of like a win over replacement or like win shares in baseball. You know, these are, I mean, these are, I think, how you quantify a player and how he is contributing towards a team's points they get every season, like just by himself. Basically what, what uh, you know, the stat says, like about Max Pacioretty, for instance, is that he is contributing almost six points this year to however many points that the Golden Knights have at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard uh, of, of a war stat, the wins above replacement stat, and GAR, which is a goals above replacement stat, I've just, I've never, which it sounds like that's, it sounds like that's what it is. It's almost like a goals above replacement. I've just never heard it in, in that sense of uh, point shares. Yeah, it's, it's something I, I'm still kind of investigating as a possible parameter of, of success. But um, yeah, I just, just, just kind of curious your, your, your thoughts on that and uh, kind of curious as well why Hockey Reference is kind of deciding to run with this particular stat and not like, uh, you know, Corsi or anything like that. Right, yeah. I, I know that goals above replacement was made popular by uh, the Evolving Hockey and Corsica. Uh, both those websites had their own goals above replacement. And they both, well, I can't speak for Corsica, but I can't seem to find it on Corsica anymore. But Evolving Hockey actually just went behind a paywall. So now you have to, to donate to get access to the, their GAR stats. I'm a huge fan of that, uh, the, the whole like sabermetrics, war and gar. I think those are fantastic stats. I would love to see what hockey references methodology is because I think that really is a good metric for understanding their individual contribution while they're on the ice, how much they make their team better. It's almost like a with or without you statistic. And I, anything like that, depending on how it's calculated, is I think that's immensely valuable, probably more valuable than plus minus or, or you know, even um, – some of the possession stats like Corsi and Fenwick. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And, and this is, I mean, you just rattled off a bunch of names I have no idea about. And just, it just, it just, it's a, it's a part of my learning process. You know, like I was a big baseball fan in the 2000s when you had like stats like war coming out and wind shares and things like that coming out. It took me a while to learn exactly what they meant as well. So um, yeah, I guess it's just a, another one for hockey, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But going back to um, to what you were saying about the Pacific, I think this Pacific division got bailed out a little bit because Silverberg uh, got injured. Because that, like you said, that allowed both Quinn Hughes and the other guy whose name is losing right now. Yeah, Patch Reddy. It allows both of them to make it. If Silverberg doesn't go out of this game, somebody's not going to make it. Yeah, exactly right. And that and that would have been a tough call for either one. I mean, you could even almost, you know, I mean, I guess of the players that didn't get in even after the last men and after the injuries, like the only other player that really jumped out to me in, in the last men vote was Johnny Goudreau. Um, you know, but even still, I mean, 13 goals, 25 assists, 38 points. He's a minus 11. Eh, not, not that big of a snub in my opinion. Um, and, and I wonder if, if, that, if that's just telling us something about the strength of the Pacific Division this year, or maybe lack thereof. I can't envy the NHL operations department who has to sit down and come up with this list, especially for good teams. It may be a little easier, or for a, a single player that jumps off the page to say this is going to be the representative. But for teams that have not a lot of separation between their top players, I, I don't envy their position at all to have to choose one if the other one isn't going to make it. Uh, at all yeah and I guess you know you know we, we've looked at the perspective from the fans and the NHL I mean I guess for some of these players that didn't get in I mean they're probably you know some of them are you know they like having that break in the middle of the season you know the all-star break you know where they don't have to put on the pass they don't have to travel anywhere they can stay at home be with their family and rest up uh, you know so that that's another aspect of this that you know we're, we're not looking at at least yet is you know the the, the players that have to play the game and, you know, this is, this is, you know, basically if you don't get in the game, you have about four or five nights off that you weren't expecting. We've seen some players, and this year, two in particular, Ovechkin and Mark andre Fleury, who opted to skip the game for rest purposes, and then they're subsequently penalized and suspended for an additional game as a, as a penalty for not attending. You're, the, game, the game's in your backyard this year, and your team is, is represented well, as you previously mentioned, but... Are you disappointed that some of these big names like Alex Ovechkin, who was voted in as the team captain, is not going to be attending the game? Do you think that one game suspension, do you think that's even like a, a deterrent? Or like, how do you feel about that? It, it's disappointing for sure. I mean, because especially when you look at a guy like Ovechkin, who plays on a team in the Eastern Conference, the Blues and Capitals don't play each other often just because of that, you know, conference gulf that exists. Uh, I mean, they played a very they played a couple early games this year. In fact, the the Blues opening night game was against the Capitals. Um, of course, you may remember you were on the first episode of Blue Notes because of that. That's right. Um, exactly. And then I went to Washington for a preseason game in uh, between the Blues and Caps. And but but it, it's it, it's kind of telling to me like in that preseason game, that was the first time that Jordan Bennington had a chance to face Ovechkin in a game. And, and Bennington had been up and down be, even before 2019, but he was mostly in the minors. And it was a big deal for him, and it was a big deal for fans to see how a guy like Bennington does against Ovechkin because 
they don't come around very often. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of fans here in St. Louis that were disappointed that Ovechkin decided, you know what, nah, not going to play this year, not worth my time. That, that's the thing there. Those last three were those last four words, not worth my time. That is the part where fans kind of get insulted a little bit. It's kind of a reason why when I was campaigning for David Perron, I also campaigned to put Dylan Larkin in as the last men in partly because he is a Red Wing, and the Red Wings have abused the Blues over the years. Of course, they can't hurt us anymore in the Eastern Conference. But Larkin came out and said that he hoped people didn't vote for him in last men in. He would rather have the time off. Huh. And Yeah, and it just like for one, Larkin didn't deserve to be in the All-Star game, but if you look at his performances here and you know the rest of the team. But, yeah, I kind of took that as a slap in the face a little bit. And I was like, you know what? We're going to get your ass to St. Louis. You know, I, of course, it didn't happen. I mean, I think Marner was a lot more deserving. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a little insulting. I mean, you can kind of understand. I mean, I just did a rant before this about how, you know, players like to have that time off, and I get it. But for the players that are voted at the game, I mean, how strenuous is the All-Star game for them, you know, compared to, you know, playing a regular game? I mean, three-on-three hockey – you know, in the format that, you know, this all-star game is played in, it is not a high contact style of hockey. I mean, the Blues have had their share of three-on-three hockey a lot this year. Not lately, but very early in the season, they played a lot of three-on-three overtimes. And I can't think of one crushing body check that was ever thrown in three-on-three hockey. So it's just like, you know, it's it, in, the, in the end, for the people that are, are voted in and they decide to sit out, and deprive local fans the chance to see them up in front playing against the best of the best. Yeah, it's a little insulting. It is a little insulting for sure. We have seen one instance, and I can't remember what year it was. I think it was uh, 2011 or 2012 where Crosby was uh, voted in, was injured, but still attended the festivities, didn't play in the game, but wasn't forced to sit out that game suspension for not attending. I know it's a little disingenuous, but if you want the rest and you're banged up, which everybody's banged up this time of year, but if Ovechkin would say, ah, I got a lower body injury, but still came and interacted with the fans, would that, would that count for something, even if he didn't play in the game? Oh, definitely. It definitely would. I mean, just showing up you know, and maybe just, you know, riffing with some of the players that are taking part in the skills competition, for instance. Absolutely. I mean, it, it would have shown that he at least, you know, it would, it would have been a good gesture on his part, you know, for, for him to at least show up and say hi. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe he doesn't even stay for the whole entire festivities. Maybe he just shows up for the skills competition, then leaves. You know, that's better than nothing. And I, and I think, you know, fans would have understood that, you know, he wanted to rest up. But, you know, at the same time, like I said, this is the first all-star game in St. Louis since 1988. So, and it, it might be another 30 plus years before another all-star game happens here in St. Louis. And, you know, a lot of people will be dead by then. So it's like, right. this is like a, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity for a lot of people. And so, yeah, it's, it's just show up. I mean, you know, just show up, say hi, show that you at least give half a crap. That's pretty much my stance on it. Well said. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the mic for a second. If you have any uh, if you have any shout outs or any anything you want to say before we uh, we wrap this up. Well, uh, just on blue notes leading up to the All Star Game, I'm uh, digging into some archival radio footage at uh, KMOX Radio in St. Louis. Of course, uh, KMOX is a longtime home of the St. Louis Blues, 
They just lost their affiliation this year, though, to 101 ESPN, which is understandable. Uh, they made them an offer they couldn't refuse. But we have some great audio from 1988, the last time the Blues hosted a Stanley Cup final uh, with uh, legendary broadcasters uh, Dan Kelly and Ron Jacober. And uh, they're talking to guys like Wayne Gretzky, Rob, Ran Rob Ramage, Dennis Savard, uh, a lot of names from the late 80s that you know. And it's just really good archival footage. And I'm sprinkling those in into each Blue Notes episode leading up to the All-Star game. And then, you know, assuming I get my credentials, which I'm hoping to get those, uh, I'm hoping to bring you a lot of All-Star game audio some way, somehow. I don't have a full plan yet, but I'll definitely, you know, try to be there at the All-Star game and get you some, uh, get you some tasty coverage. That's fantastic to know, and definitely everyone should go and check that out. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, I'm I'm actually going to probably ask some other hosts in the network if they want me to like you know make sure I get audio from certain players. Uh, maybe I can sprinkle some love to some of our other podcasts in the network as well. I guess on that note, uh, I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast again for the second time, and and I really appreciate having you on, and uh, congratulations for getting the All Star game. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the hat trick of being on Ice Analytics for a third time. Absolutely. Uh, maybe after you win the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know what? That could happen. In fact, actually, you were on a recent episode of Blue Notes talking about the uh, some various stats when it comes to the Blues and the All-Star game. And one of the stats you talked about was uh, how, many, how often teams that host the All-Star game end up bringing home the Stanley Cup. And uh, to small spoiler alert, it's not many. <laughs> absolutely you can find tom uh the host of blue notes on the hockey podcast network you can find him on twitter at blue notes pod and at tom franklin k-m-o-x thanks again thanks doc so it's about that time where we wrap this thing up and i let you get back to what you were doing i've got a couple of concluding thoughts on this matter and first of all the format itself there's a really tough balance and tom laid this out fantastic in the interview between representing the teams and the divisions fairly and giving the fans a say in the voting process. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Fans are not totally unbiased. It's only natural. I mean, if you're a fan of a particular team, you're going to want to see that team represented in the All-Star game. You're going to see certain teams, certain markets stuff the ballot box with their representatives. And this is, I think, in part why the league changed the rules and removed this from the fans' hands and tried to introduce something that was more fair, where every team was going to be represented. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. What we can assess, though, is how that worked this year. And I think that if we look at some of the selections that the league made, I don't know if it would have turned out differently had the fans voted on these selections but it's amazing to me that Konechny made the all-star game over Couturier it's amazing to me that Holpe made the all-star game at all I think that a case could have been made for Radulov I think a case could have been made for Pajot and Jakob Silverberg should not be in the all-star game and thankfully he's not because of injury reasons my takeaway is that if the league is going to continue to make these decisions there should be some sort of transparency more than the boilerplate top 15 goal scorers. The league needs to provide some criteria. 
or even better yet, hire an analytics person, hint, hint, to dig up some of these numbers and come up with some sort of a formula, come up with some sort of guidelines for making these selections, even if you have one per team. This brings me to my second point, though, which is that this is truly a fan event. Maybe I'm being too hard on some of these players. Maybe I'm being too hard on the league because this is a fan event. And honestly, at the rate it's going with the number of players that are dropping out before they even start selecting all-stars, they should probably just ask people if they're going to go in the first place. Because what's the point of making all these selections and then having 15% of them or more backing out before the game even starts? And as a fan event, your fans are being given a disservice by the top elite players that would rather rest than participate in the weekend's festivities. Right now, the fans are, they're the ones with the the short end of the stick here. They don't really have a huge say in the selections. They don't get to see the biggest names, the most elite names, the Alex Ovechkins of the world, because they would rather have rest, which I commend them for taking care of themselves, but it's at the fans' expense. Either way, it seems like the players aren't taking this extremely seriously. And in some respects, the league isn't taking this too seriously. So maybe I shouldn't take it this seriously. But I would like to see some more consistency, some more transparency. And it would be great to see some incentives for players to at least show up for the weekend, even if they don't participate in the festivities themselves. Well, on that note, just remember, folks drink, and think responsibly. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at www.statsenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.